0: Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. This week, a climate change protester was jailed for 15 months after she disrupted traffic on the Sydney Harbour Bridge earlier this year. It's outraged human rights groups and the United Nations, but others say it's exactly the deterrent that's needed. Today, we discuss whether these kinds of protests are effective and if stricter laws will really discourage them.
1: My name's Sarah Madison. I'm a professor of politics and director of the Australian Centre at the University of Melbourne. A supporter of Fireproof Australia. We've got uh, two people down there calling to Floodproof Australia. Um, they're glued
0: onto the road. Sarah, um, tell me about Deanna Coco, who's also known as Violet.
1: Well, Violet is part of a group of protesters from a climate action group called Fireproof Australia, which is an offshoot of the organisation called Extinction Rebellion. Um, And back in April, Fireproof Australia blocked a southbound land of traffic on the Sydney Harbour Bridge during peak hour.
0: All right, well here we are. We're on the Harbour Bridge. We're blocking the traffic.
1: And they held up banners and glued themselves to the road.
0: We're hoping that this sends a message, an urgent message, to
1: everybody. And Violet lit a flare on top of a hired van. Uh, And the protester was subsequently arrested and charged with obstruction of traffic, resisting arrest and setting off a distress signal. The protest in total lasted for only 25 minutes and blocked just one lane of traffic. But obviously, got a good lot of morning. attention.
0: Protesters have caused peak hour chaos in Sydney yet again, blocking traffic this hey, morning. Um, look,
1: they're stopping on the traffic all the way along there now. Um, they've lit flares up and done all sorts of things. Uh, some sort of, um, I don't know what it is, climate protest. There we go. Police have moved in and they're arresting one
0: on top of- mm, So she was uh, arrested, but she released a video sort of pointing out that she knew the risks of what she was doing. She knew she would likely be arrested. If
1: you're watching this video, then I have been sentenced to prison and I wanted to set this up to let you know that
0: I am consenting to that happening. I I knew the risks going into... Extinction Rebellion, I mean, that was founded back in 2018 and we've seen some really... Big protests, haven't we? I mean, the British Parliament in 2019, the roads around it were shut off for two whole weeks. We're in
1: Parliament Square. There are about 25 activists lying on the ground, holding their ground
0: as police... carry. You know, we've seen people glue themselves to museum masterpieces. They've done a lot of shutting of highways, of freeways. They've blocked fuel depots. It's a big movement, isn't it?
1: It is a big movement and I guess the point they're trying to make is, you know, if you think this is disruptive or if you think this is uh, an interruption to, uh, or an inconvenience in your daily life, just wait till you see what the climate catastrophe has in store for you. So they are trying to get arrested, they are trying to stage spectacular actions, they're trying to get media attention, they're trying to get into a courtroom, they're trying in whatever way they can to keep the issue of climate change front and centre in public debate. It has been pointed out that that's a a tactic they're able to use through a lot of white privilege that, um, you know, we're seeing quite high profile um, actors and and performers um, put themselves at the front of Extinction Rebellion protests knowing that they will uh, attract attention by virtue of their status and Extinction Rebellion as a whole is very performative in the way that they They protest. Um, So very much their their modus operandi is around spectacular actions that draw attention to the climate crisis.
0: Mm, Of course, public disruption is a key tool that they use. But this year, the stakes have become much higher for protesters here in Australia because not many people might know this. But new laws have passed in New South Wales and other states and territories. In New South Wales particularly, protesters can now be jailed for up to two years for doing something like Deanna Coco did, which is disrupt a public road or disrupt the Harbour Bridge. But what we are stopping, or criminalising even further, are protests that shut down major economic
1: activity. And she really got caught up in that, didn't she? She did, You know, Diana Coco is going to jail for up to a year and is being fined a lot of money. I think if people don't know about these laws, they should know about these laws and they should be very, very worried. Um, You know, protest, the right to protest is part of any democratic society. Disruption has always been a part of protest. Mm, But on the flip side of that, of course, is the fact
0: that it is causing huge disruption to public roads and that could have a huge effect on people in in cars. I mean, someone could be trying to get to a hospital, someone could be trying to get to a medical appointment, they could be trying to get their kids to school, they could be trying to get to work, they could lose their job because they're late. So there's also those other factors to think about too.
1: I think we want to be careful in blowing those kinds of consequences out of proportion. Protest on public streets has been a part of political life since forever really this isn't a new thing blocking one lane of traffic on the harbour bridge isn't going to prevent anyone from from getting anywhere um they might be a little late and you know again i think the point that they're making is is exactly that that you know yes this is disruptive yes this is inconvenient um but it is through that disruption that we want you to think about how disruptive climate change would be that how, how much all of our lives will be impacted if, if we don't stop the kinds of global warming that, that, um, that we're facing in the next years. So, you know, I just think we want to keep those issues in, in proportion. There have always been protests on the streets. Um, these protests at the moment are a little more spectacular, perhaps, than a, than a standard protest march, but this isn't a new thing sentenced to prison for the climate emergency. Three non-violent protesters have been trying to draw attention and they've been sentenced to prison. The people who are causing this...
0: Let's talk about the history of using civil disobedience to bring about change. When have we seen that before and what has changed? I think you can
1: pick any social movement... Uh, ever, <laughs> and uh, you can find examples of civil disobedience among their tactics um, that they have used to bring about change. Um, I recently re-watched that uh, film uh, Suffragette about the, the women's suffrage struggles in the UK in the early 20th century You know, and I was reminded how much the women in fighting for for suffrage, for the right to vote for women in the UK, had to disrupt the very ordered British society that they lived in, disrupting parliament, chaining themselves to railings. Of course, one woman very famously threw herself in front of the king's horse. They were force fed. So, you know, a form of torture um, that they endured all to secure the right for women to vote in the UK. And... You can never with a social movement say it was it was this protest, it was that act, it was this disruptive moment that caused the change, but it's absolutely a part of that broader repertoire. So we've seen that in Australia with the Indigenous Rights Movement, um, the very famous Gurungi walk-off at Wave Hill, the subject of the very famous From Little Things, Big Things Grow song that, that saw um, Aboriginal stockmen withdraw their labour um, to protest for their land rights. Mardi Gras, the famous Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, uh, started as a protest movement. The, the original um, Mardi Gras activists, the 78ers as they called, who were um, arrested at the end of their protest march up Oxford Street. Black deaths in custody, you know, all of these movements, any movement you can think of has used disruptive action, has used protest, has used civil disobedience as a means of drawing attention to their
0: Cause mm, well, we know in the case of women's suffrage, it worked, and we thank them very much for it. But I mean, how do we know that this disruption caused by extinction rebellion, cutting off roads, causing great disruption to the public, trying to get get about their days, how do we
1: know that's achieving anything? Well, I think I think it's the wrong question to ask. People will often look at a, a singular moment, a singular movement, a singular action, and say, "Well, what did that achieve?" You know, most of the kinds of social changes that um, activists are campaigning for are these movements are long-term. You know, change doesn't happen quickly, unfortunately, um, particularly in the case of climate change. You know, governments don't tend to do the right thing until they're forced to to do the right thing. Often, that force comes through rising public sentiment or changes in public sentiment on a particular. Issue that eventually will see a government compelled um, to change their policy and to 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 make changes in the way that they respond to that to that issue. I mean, marriage equality is a is a recent one, for example, where y- you know we saw public opinion change in relation to the question of, of marriage equality over about a decade until eventually, you know, it sat at seventy percent of people in support of marriage equality, and and the government of the day felt reluctantly, clearly, <laughs> reluctantly forced to act. Um, so I think we have to look at any social movement um, and and understand that a protest is just one of their repertoire of tactics. And then I think history will look back on someone like Violet Coco and applaud her actions.
0: Mm, well, the New South Wales Premier... Dominic Perrottet, he certainly doesn't applaud her actions, and he said it was pleasing to see that she was jailed for a minimum of eight months. He sees it as a deterrent to others. It's not excessive, and if protesters want to put our way of life at risk, they should have the book thrown at them, Um, and that's pleasing to see. Um, We want people to be able to
1: protest, but you should do it in a way that doesn't inconvenience people right across...
0: So do you think
1: it will deter? climate protesters? Of course it won't. Mm-hmm. Of course it won't. History tells us that people will protest regardless of the circumstances and the consequences. Again, let's look back at the at the the suffragettes, women who were prepared to not only go to jail, but be tortured in jail, be force-fed in jail um, to draw attention to their cause. You know, we will always have those brave individuals who care so deeply and passionately about an issue that they will take to the streets to, to protest it and to disrupt it. Anyone who cares enough about an issue to try and organise collectively and take um, disruptive non-violent action, and that should be of concern to every single member of our society. Professor Sarah
0: Madison is the director of the Australian Centre at the University of Melbourne. And if you want to hear more about the new anti-protest laws around Australia, we covered that on August the 22nd. That's in your feed. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer this week is Sydney Pede. Over the weekend, catch This Week with David Lipson, Where he'll be looking at Indonesia's ban on sex before marriage. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.